0: and you can learn more about how I can support you in business and mindset at jessicathiefels.com. Finally, if you love what you hear, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'll be forever grateful. Now, sit back, grab a journal, and get ready to start living with intention. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Mindset Reset Radio. We have a really amazing guest today, and we're going to talk about something I'm really excited about. So... Rebecca Cafiero is an international Forbes business invisibility strategist, TEDx speaker, and top ranked top ranked podcast host, best selling author, and mother of two. As the founder and CEO of the Pitch Club, a for women by women company, she has worked with hundreds of female entrepreneurs to increase their credibility, visibility, and profitability in business. Rebecca's tips have been featured in NBC News, ABC News, and publications, including Forbes, Reader's Digest, Women's Health, U.S. News, World Report, and more. She's passionate about helping female entrepreneurs be recognized as an expert in their field. Welcome, Rebecca. I can't believe you're here with us. Thank you.
1: It's my honor. I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, this is such a fun topic, something I'm personally really passionate about, and I know you have so many gems to bring to us today about this but before we jump in why don't you tell us a little
1: bit more about who you are and what you do yes okay well thank you for that um so i grew up in rural oregon definitely on a farm i mean for those of you that you know, can't <laughs> see me now i'm you know sitting in this pretty pink and white office with rose gold <laughs> accents and definitely did not grow up this way um but i have always been someone that has just been interested in what i now call personal optimization It's mm. so like personal development professional development but as a kid it just it was just me like reading a lot and writing a lot and dreaming a lot um i went to school for journalism in college and while i loved writing and i love taking information and like making it bite sized for someone to consume i also realized i did not want to continue to live at or below poverty level which at the time is what journalists got paid which i know you and i have a very similar background in that yes um, and I worked you know, for a daily paper for three years with a bartending job on the side to pay my rent. And that was in Oregon where it's very inexpensive, not like California. Um, but then after college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I thought I'd go into law. I've always loved speaking. I loved watching Matlock as a kid. I was on the debate team. And while establishing residency so I could go in-state in California, I ended up falling into this job and sales and real estate sales. My I was actually um, working at a conference or convention, and my boyfriend at the time was doing an interview, and they were mentioned to him, they're like, It's too bad you're not a recent college graduate. We have a, an opening specifically for that in this exciting new community where they were selling homes. And he said, Well, I'm not, but my girlfriend is. And I bought a suit that night and I went mm-hmm. to this job that I had no idea about. And I got hired at, you know, 23 years old and and put me into this career that I had for the next 12, 13 years. And I never thought I wanted to be in sales, but then I learned that, you know, good sales, what it really is. It's about being a consultant. It's about um, identifying what someone's looking for and helping them down the path to either what you have or to something else. And I, you know, cut my teeth in, in real estate during the boom and, and then went through the recession, which was it's kind of like monopoly money. I I made a lot of money in my 20s. I mean, a lot of money. And then it all disappeared. I know exactly where it went though, but, <laughs> but it was definitely um, it was, it was a growth-defining time. I will just say that. Yes. I learned to be gritty. I learned, you know, I I, I like I said I earned a lot and I lost a lot and and it was dog years of experience. Um but I think when that first seed was planted for me of this idea of designing a life, which is now such a common term, then it sounded so, so spammy and um, is I hired my first life coach at 25. So this is 16 years ago. I'm 41 now. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting down with her and she asked me, you know, what is, what do you want in your life? And, and kind of, what do you can, what, you know, what do you want to accomplish? Or maybe you shouldn't use that word, but I think I heard it as accomplish or achieve because at that time I was very validation focused like I think many entrepreneurs are
0: absolutely and
1: even though I was not an entrepreneur I was an entrepreneur um but I recited for her my next 10 year plan you know I was at the time I was a, a sales manager I was one of the youngest sales managers and I was going to I was telling her how I was going to become a VP of sales and then you know a division president and eventually the CEO of, of at the time what was a Fortune 150 company and she listened politely and she nodded and then I kind of finished, you know, basically reciting what I hope my future resume would be. And she said, okay, so what do you actually want? Hmm. And I paused and like actually took a breath and then I burst into tears. And I realized everything that I was planning and putting my, my precious time, energy and effort. in. when I say time, I was, you know, pulling all nighters for. And I, that year before I had literally worked seven days a week, I had not taken a day off. Um, so yes, I made a lot, but it came at a great cost. Mm -hmm. And I realized this is not really my dream. This is what sounds really good on paper. And I'm a three-dimensional human being. And I would love to say that like right then I just decided to follow my heart and make a change. And there was a point shortly after that, I was sitting in the driveway, we were building a house. Um, me and my my partner at the time, we were building this beautiful home. And I, you know, had this job that I was making lots of money and I was driving a nice car, and I was sitting there and I was like 26. And I remember thinking, I would love to run away from all of this. Mm. I would love to just go and travel. And the ironic thing is I at the time I probably had the money to go travel for a year. But there was always something holding me back. It was, it was, well, but I've got all these commissions, I won't earn. I've done all the work. There's never a good time to cut ties with anything that we're in, right? There's always, they've always got their tentacles in us. But it was a few years later, and, and of course, then if I if I had sold everything then, I would have been in a different Position, but you know the, the market crashed, went through the recession. I lost you know basically all my savings, all my four hundred one k, the homes that I bought for investments. I mean, they. I was in Las Vegas at the time, so oh wow, everything <laughs> came worth about twenty five to thirty percent of what it had been worth. You know, two years earlier, it was devastating. And and ended up my my five year relationship ended, and I said, you know what, like I need to I need a fresh start. So I moved to California, and about a year into that move or after I'd moved, I was dating this wonderful young man and fairly early into a relationship. He got diagnosed with stage four cancer. It was, and and at this time I'm trying to rebuild, I was in a very toxic job, um, you know, just trying to pay the bills. And, and I remember at that point I was sitting there, I was like, I'm in this job that I really did not like. And that was giving me a ton of stress. And I have my boyfriend that is, you know, in the hospital all the time. I mean, there were times I didn't go home for a week. I would just go from the hospital to work and sleep there. And he, I remember he quit his job early on in his diagnosis. He was an engineer. And I thought that was so crazy because I was like, why would you give up the security? Like, but you know, he, and he didn't know how much time he had left. I mean, he ended up um, passing away about a year later, but he wanted to make the most of it of life. And he, you know, meditated went to the beach every day and, and he couldn't even surf because he, I mean, it was, it was, it was a very aggressive form of cancer. So he had um, tubes in him that were draining bile, which is, I know, really, really uh, not a, a pretty thing, but, but he just wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so I was caught in this battle of being when I was with him of like reading, napping, playing chess, just talking, you know, meditating, and then being in this work life. And I had to, you know, on a daily basis say like, I'd love to be here for him more when he's doing chemo but I'm worried if I don't go to work, they're going to, you know, I, I lose my income and, and I was barely scraping by. And that really, I think, planted that initial seed for me that like I had worked so hard the years before and lost everything that I realized the only thing that we ultimately can take away is like our knowledge, our experience, our relationships. Right. You know, And, and I made this commitment to myself and I didn't make it tangible. It was like, at some point things are going to be different. Um, and, <clears throat> he passed away and you know i i ended up in a job that was a little better but i went to the er at 31 thinking i was having a heart attack um because i was so stressed out i was having it was it turned out to be an anxiety attack you know but but I was having chest pains and couldn't breathe and you know i was super healthy ate healthy worked out but I, but i wasn't managing my stress and um i got married a couple of years later but right before my husband and i got married um My husband, who ironically had also gone through cancer um, before we met, thyroid cancer, which is, if you're going to get cancer, it's the more treatable one, Mm. but his cancer came back. And here I am for the second time going through cancer with someone I love, you know, someone I'd already lost Mm -hmm. and now with, you know, my boyfriend's soon to be husband. And the day that his surgery got scheduled, it was only scheduled about two weeks in advance, was my first day at a new job. I was transferring from the SoCal division to NorCal, where I was going to be with him because he had moved in the in the early part of our relationship. And my new day had been scheduled two months in advance, and I was giving a presentation to a large group of people. And I w- I thought there's no way I can reschedule this on my first day. They're going to be think I'm completely not committed. If I and, and the reality is I probably had a choice, but I was so worried as the youngest VP in the company, the only you know the youngest female that this would affect my ability to climb the ladder that i went to that meeting and i presented and i was like cold sweating because he was in surgery and then i drove after i took a half day i drove after that to his um hospital bed and i mean i was was two and a half hours and i was bawling my eyes out i just remember saying i will never again be in a position where i don't feel like i have a choice
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and it was about a year later that i started building a side hustle that one year from there allowed me to leave and become a full-time entrepreneur.
0: Oh my gosh. Like so much to take away from that. And I feel like probably every single bit of that journey is like imbued in what you do now in your business and how you work with your clients and the choices that you make, you know, like I had, um, quite less traumatic than the story you just gave. But one of my examples is like, I had six jobs in seven years and I use something from every single one of those jobs, every single one of those experiences and what I do now. Um, So tell us, today we're talking about, I want to transition from this incredible story and like, clearly you have so much to offer and I'm so excited to hear it. So from there, you'd all these crazy experiences, you're now, you've made a decision, you're starting your business. And I feel like this is probably where your experience with visibility really started coming into play and really owning your expertise, which is what we're talking about today. So um, talk to us a little bit about that, like how you made that transition from corporate to entrepreneur and how owning all of this expertise
1: comes into play there for you. Yes, thank you. Um, Well, it started... It started, I mean, first of all, when I, when I left, I remember I left, um, my last day was December 31st of 2014 and I just felt so free when I woke up mm-hmm. January
0: 1st,
1: you know, and, and actually my first couple of months, um, I, I was fortunate I had a, a large bonus that came in from work. So my first few months I worked very part-time cause I went, I just had been working the last 13 years, 70, 80 hours a week, routinely pulling all nighters, you know, leading teams like so stressed out. I need a break. And my husband had just transitioned to endure role where he got to travel for work. And so those first three months we did, he was in Milan for a week for a conference and I went to Milan and we did, we did two weeks in Australia, one in Sydney, one in Melbourne. And so I, you know, worked, I worked part-time from there, but I was, and I was doing coaching and I was work, I was working in the health space, but I was really, I love health. I'm obsessed with health. And I went into that obsession after my boyfriend passed. I, I was like, how can I create, you know, like alkalinity and and Mm -hmm. live forever. And, you know, and I realized quickly though, I was like, I don't really want to tell people what to eat. Um, or or I want to tell people what to do and I don't want to ask them. And I don't want to talk about why they're self-sabotaging to me, eating something is leading closer to death or farther away from it, you know? Right. So I realized I was a little, a little extreme. And, but what, but I, what I did know is I did understand sales and marketing. I did understand, um, you know, forward planning. Um, I understood all of that, you know, operations, and so I started working with health coaches. Um, so health coaches, chiropractors, like really people in the health space on how to build their brand, you know, work with clients, all of that. But I was no one, you know, I I had left. I mean, my LinkedIn looked really impressive, but then it was like, wait, what are you doing now? Yeah. I had left this, you know, VP job and won awards, you know, I'd left and the car allowance in the corner office. And all of a sudden they're like, like people that I was crazy. Like, how did you left? Uh, you know, a, a quarter million dollar plus job to do what? And, and so, I mean, definitely it was a bit ego-based, but I was like, man, I'm starting over. And, but for a while, the fact that I didn't have credibility was okay because I had flexibility. Right. But then I got to a point and I said, you know, so many of the things that I learned in my previous career and my previous experience and my passion for writing and my passion for person development and, and personal optimization, all of these things, like they're not just business. They just, they're what I bring into my business. Right. But I really realized that if I really wanted to impact more people and I wanted, you know, to make more income and, and to scale my business, I was going to have to figure out a way to be seen as more credible. Mm-hmm. Because the real estate experience, while yes, it gave me tangible strategies to bring in, it wasn't a, an easy story to tell a client, well, here's what I was doing. And I was, I was managing hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate sales, and here's how I'm gonna help you grow your personal coaching business. Like it didn't really make sense. And what I realized from you know, I used to run multi-million-dollar ad um, campaigns and and well, marketing budgets within my um, company. And what I realized is all of the things that we did to to be visible, we had to pay for a lot of money. You Mm -hmm. know, radio ads, TV, you know, brochures, like all the shiny stuff. And I was like, how do I create that level of credibility with? no budget. Like, how do I look like a million dollar brand without, without spending that type of money? And so, yes, it started out with things like, like having great photos, you know, and I, as, as someone who identified as a writer, always, um, you know, learning the difference between like a good, good writing and, you know, marketing copy. Mm. So some of that was, was that, but, but I really understood that the key to being seen as an expert, to stepping into an expert is I thought it was having my name out there in publications and in podcasts were starting to become really big. So I, I took a girlfriend of mine who owned a boutique PR agency. She was in like the fashion startup space. She's now, um, she's the director of PR and communications at Stitch Fix, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the $2 billion a year startup. Yeah. <laughs> and I took her out. Um, she just started her agency. She just left a corporate job and took her out for mani petty. And I said, here, I'll pay for your manicure pedicure, but I'd love to, I don't like the phrase pick your brain, but I want to like ask you some questions. And I was kind of waiting for her to pitch herself to me and see if we could work out a friend deal on her doing PR for me, because I had called, I'd reached out to a few PR agents and it was the quotes I got were anywhere from like $4,000 to $7,000 a month. I mean, that was, that was, would have been half of my income. Yeah. You know, and, and I was like, well, I don't even know what the return is. I do know that I can leverage this, but I don't know that it's actually going to equate to real dollars in the short term. And so I said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. So I sat down with her and she gave me, she, you know, we were talking about like niching and we were talking about like how to, you know, like I was building my website out and she gave me this little tip at the very end about Harrow, which I'm sure you, you are familiar Mm -hmm. with. Love Harrow. Yeah. Love Harrow. You know, and she said, Hey, this is something you should check out. And so I was like, Okay. Now I, I logged in and I was like, this is a mess, but I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. And and you know, I, that's why I don't mind people telling people about it, even though I have a course that tells people like how to go through it and really master hero and podcast pitching. But I was like, most people have heard of it, but they look at it and they're completely overwhelmed. Yeah. It's like CS DOS before, you know, like Apple <laughs> Windows operating systems. You're like, Oh my yeah. gosh, you have to like step in and like, you know, and basically weed through stuff. So I, I imperfectly used hero and I Remember my second or third pitch, it, it said, I, oh, at the beginning, I was like researching everything and, and coming up with these long answers, and like Googling, mm-hmm. and like basically writing the article for the reporter. And one day I'd written this like beautiful article and I went into hit, like to hit send and I accidentally deleted all of it mm. and I wrote it in email and so I couldn't undo it. I didn't know how to undo. And I freaked out and I was like, oh my gosh, this article was due in seven minutes it goes right up on the deadline. So I just said, you know what? I It's right in my brain. I literally had to go get in the shower. I was like, I'm going to spend five minutes. I'm just going to write what I remember. And I so I just wrote some like two to three sentence bullet points. And I didn't even know what the publication was. Had I known it was for Women's Health Magazine. So they ended up they ended up featuring, not a feature, but it was, you know, they, they featured me as an expert. I had a couple of sentences. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, Women's Health Magazine called me an expert. And then I felt like an expert. Mm-hmm. So we you know. I know we're going to dig into like the fact that you don't have to be published as an expert to step into your expertise, but that was that chicken or the egg thing. And all of a sudden I said, well, if they publish me, I could get published here and there." And then people started seeing me in these magazines or, or, you know, I was reposting them and they're like, wow, she knows her stuff. So I didn't know any more before I submitted that, that, that pitch than I did when they published me. But what I realized is instead of going out and researching and like trying to tell them what they wanted to hear by really stepping into the truth of what I knew. Right. And, and just show, sharing my, my true opinion backed by expertise and experience that that was the, that was the path. And over that year, I, I landed 20 publications without ever paying for it. Then I started pitching myself for podcast interviews and that turned into speaking gigs and a TEDx and eventually my own podcast and a book. And like, but all of that came From this permission I gave myself in that moment to just put myself out there without knowing what would happen and then realizing that I could intentionally do it and optimize it.
0: Yeah, totally. And there had, there had to have been some piece of you that knew that you had some sort of expertise to offer because you wrote something to send them, you know? And then, so I definitely, I agree. I think there's an element of validation Once you have that first piece, it's like, oh, okay, wow. Like, not only do I think I have something to offer, but someone sees that as valuable. Um, But yeah, I want to dig a little bit deeper into that kernel, that initial little seed that was like, I have something to offer. I should see who would like publish this or, you know, whatever. Um, So when we were talking about this uh, briefly before the call, you said, you call this sort of idea of owning your expertise permission to promote. And I love that. So talk to me about like what that is and, and how listeners can really bring that into their business and their life.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, I think this is very much tied into what we now know as imposter syndrome. I think mm-hmm. in the old days, it used to just be called like lack of confidence. And, and, you know, before that, I think I was looking at other people that were in the same space as me, but were years ahead. And I was comparing like their middle- to my beginning. And it seemed like such a huge gap. Mm. And so of course, like anything I do is going to feel like a watered down version of something that they're doing. And that's why I, you know, I'm like only consume so much information before you get into action, because I see, I see my clients and I know I did this as well in my early days, if over-consuming <clears throat> and then getting into this overwhelmed spot of what I call infocrastination,
0: procrastination. Mm
1: where you have all of this information and everyone's you know perspective is slightly different. And so you just sit there and spin and do nothing. Right. And it took me, from the time that I first understood like email marketing was a thing, it took me like three years to actually do it. Now I teach, I teach my clients how to like do email marketing and have a lead magnet in you know, a week yeah. because I know the shortcut. But the idea of permission to promote is is, I had this realization that everybody has big dreams in their business. Like nobody is sitting there going, you know, I just want to make like 25000 a year and work part-time. Like, nobody says that. I mean, maybe in the beginning, and then they, they start doing research. They're like, wait, well, people out there that are not better or smarter than me are doing far better than I've imagined, and your dreams get bigger fast. But, you know, I saw all these women having these big dreams and then feeling stuck, and I was there myself. And so I, I reverse-engineered kind of the success that I'd helped initially salespeople get and, and then entrepreneurs and, and uh, business owners and i started asking people like what do you think is holding you back from the success that you want hmm. and i'd hear answers like time or strategy or money or resources or support but i had had clients who had had all of those things they had time they had strategy they had support they had resources but they weren't successful but then i had these other clients who had came to me and they had none of it they were like super scrappy you know didn't have a lot of expertise and yet they were massively successful. Right. And I started looking at it and what I realized is that the number one thing, especially holding women back from this stepping into their genius and this owning their magic and having this, this success that they're dreaming of is not any of those other answers. It's the idea of promoting themselves. Is And I say promoting, I don't mean like a post here and there, of really stepping into this mindset of permission to promote themselves as a human being, their business, their offerings, their value. Because even for me, coming from a very successful sales background, it was very different promoting to prospects, you know, a product that someone else had built that wasn't ultimately really part of who I was to promoting myself and the offerings that I had developed. Mm -hmm. It was a huge gap. And so first we had, I had to define, well, what is promoting, right? Because people are like, oh, I promote myself. Well, Promoting is to progress or to further the progress of something, to support it, to actively encourage it. And and everyone says, like, of course I want to do that. I want to support my business and my income and my impact. But then I see, especially women, waiting for someone to validate them, for someone to ask them for an opportunity, for someone to hand them something. Instead of seeing women raise their hand and say, I want this, I'm going to pull my own seat up to the table. I'm going to build my own ladder instead of climbing someone else's.
0: Right. There's a huge worthiness factor there. Like I am worthy of not only do I know what I'm talking about, but I'm worthy of being seen for that and being published and, you know, included in a publication. Um, that worthiness and that confidence, I feel like, go hand in hand in everything that we do, um, especially as female entrepreneurs, but especially when it comes to self-promotion and in the idea that promotion is a bad thing like that there's this like um you know you're being seen as like overly showy if you share maybe good news or whatever uh, and it, that kills me when it, people talk about that
1: it, there's obviously there's always cases of people doing it poorly right like it, right. it's like saying like i don't like attorneys because they're all slimy like no there's bad attorneys out there and but there's also wonderful ones. Like Mm -hmm. you can't look at the people that are doing something poorly and then lump everyone together. But it's so true. What you just said is, I call it like the you versus your business. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Is, you know, we have to understand that we are the human being breathing life into our business. Like our business, yes, it's part of us, but it is not us. And often, especially as women, we're told, you know, don't talk about yourself. You'll get what you want. If you just work hard, be selfless, which literally means less than self. And I don't, you don't hear people saying that to men be selfless. Right. I mean, this is conditioning that, that, you know, a lot of it's generational. And, and I, as a mom of a two-year-old girl, I am constantly trying to like, don't tell her to be quiet. No, you know, I mean, yeah, sometimes I'll tell my, both my kids like, Hey guys, someone's sleeping. Like, let's, you know, bring it down a little, but about that language that I often hear that is directed at women. Yep. But when we understand that our business isn't us and we're that human being breathing life into it, If we believe in the value that our business delivers, the transformation it can deliver, you know, in our ability to create impact, then why wouldn't we give every opportunity to our business to grow, right? And we have to think about our business. I know, you know, you're you're growing a tiny human. So if we think (laughs) about our business like a baby, right? It's pure potential that needs work, needs handholding, needs advocacy, needs protection. Like as a mom, like what would we do To help our child be successful, to be happy. Would we, you know, ask for resources, get a tutor, like whatever, you know, my, my son has, um, he doesn't sell it, say his L's and his R's quite right. And so I reached out and I'm waiting, I'm on the list for like uh, some, uh, speech therapy so that when he starts kindergarten, like he'll have, he'll be able to say his L's and his R's correctly. And and not that he's, I mean, he's a smart, adorable little boy, but I just don't want him to deal with frustration or to get teased. So of course, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to figure it out on how to create that for him as his mom. And so if you know that you are the human being breathing life into your business, you understand that it's your responsibility and your privilege to promote your business. And I actually have my client sign a permission slip that they have to print out and sign that says like certificate, you know, permission to promote. And they accept that responsibility.
0: I love that. I love having a physical representation of that. Sometimes that's all you need is like, something that you see every day. So you're rewiring your brain saying uh, not only do I have permission to promote, but it is my job. Like literally my job as a business owner to promote myself and my business. That's what you do. Like it's just
1: part of marketing. You <laughs> will not be successful if you don't do it. And then actually, um, I have a, a permission to promote T O promote. So spelled out. co. You can download a permission slip. Love that. For that one for your business. Perfect.
0: So what else? So what so we have you permission to promote? I feel like you mentioned like maybe one or two other like little strategies for stepping into this, like, okay, we know we want to do this, but like let's get real, let's get practical.
1: So ultimately, I mean, yes, this is all mindset. And a mindset is one of those things. It is a buzzword. Everybody needs it. Nobody wants to learn it. Um, but the actual improving of mindset is not something that like you can listen to this podcast and you know. An hour later, like have an improved mindset. It's something yeah. that it, it takes muscle. It's a muscle, right? So, you know, whether that's affirmations or that's mirror work or that's, you know, focusing on positivity, like there's so many different things that you can do to improve your mindset and you should do. But what I like to give people as like a quick, I don't like the word hack, but like a quick fix of this is really understanding how to develop an alter ego and an alter ego is a safe place where you can promote yourself and your business and support those dreams and an alter ego is like an an alternative personality different than our normal personality so we can create one and promote our business or speak on stage or step into this like future version of ourselves. or it doesn't have to be a future version it can be a completely different version and realistically we naturally do this like i know my mom had a very different alter ego when she got on the phone we, my brother and I used to laugh. We'd be like, you know, squabbling. And she'd be like, you guys need to rah, rah, rah. And then it would be like, hello. And yeah, sure. it was her alter, it was her phone voice. It was an alter ego. Yeah. You know, we, we have one of these maybe for our spouse. We have one for like our boss, you know, when we're on the phone. And so if you ask yourself, like if you're creating your alter ego, how do you show up when you are talking about or promoting or referring your favorite business or person? Mm. So if you think about like the, the most incredible person in your life, that offers a business, right? Like maybe it's your hairstylist that you've been going to forever. You're like, she's not a colorist. She is a hair artist and a painter. You know, how do you show up? Are you certain? Are you passionate? Are you excited? Are you magnetic? And if you think about like embodying that quality, like practice, think about the last person you referred that the person was like, I don't even know what this person does, but just based on how you are excited, I want to hire them for whatever it is. And ask yourself how do you carry yourself in that situation? And and how can you use that, those characteristics and step in front of whatever that audience is, whether it's, you know, Zoom or, you know, writing your social media post and embodying them. And once you define the characteristics, you can name her. Because if you name her, you can call her forward mm-hmm. and step into her.
0: I love that. That reminds me of um An exercise that I do that actually there is a podcast episode that takes you through this exercise that I call um, your new CEO. And it's basically Mm -hmm. a similar idea of figuring out like, you know, really getting clear on who that person is who can achieve those big goals or who can promote themselves in this case. Um, and then creating like a mantra around that person and really embodying that new CEO. Like even when like you go to wash your face, that's the example I always give. And I don't want to wash my face tonight And I'm like, my new CEO would wash your face. Cause like, you know what, that's just like, that's the thing that you do. You take care of yourself. Um, so it sort of reminds me of that. And I, I just love this idea that that person, that alter ego, the new CEO is, is inside of us right now. It's a matter of, for lack of a better phrase, putting a face to a name or putting a name to a face, whatever. Um, And, and really saying like this person's within me and all I have to do is choose to embody that person.
1: A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's the, what we focus on, we find what we focus on grows. So if we focus mm-hmm. on the insecurity or the lack or the not enoughness, like that's what we're going to feel. Like you said, that person is already in us. Those characters exist. So if we focus on providing a a space for that to show up more, that will happen. And I mean, I know that the, the way that I show up now to speak versus how I showed up. I mean, I remember my first time I was like, it wasn't even, we didn't have live in Facebook. It was like, you had to post a video and I had a little, a little Facebook group, a little free group. And I was going to be posting a challenge and I made my husband film it and he probably had to take 15 takes. I was so irritated so anxious. I was like, it's not good because it felt so foreign and, you know, years now of, of speaking and all of that, you know, now it's, it's second nature, but, but it was always within me, but I had to one practice and I had to step into the fact that, you know, done beats perfect progress Mm -hmm. over perfection. Yeah. There's something there. What was that? Oh, I said, and also where I'm unique. I think that the biggest thing is, is stop trying to be the perfect version of someone else that they are like, no one else is you, everyone else is taken. So the more you dive into your uniqueness, the more permission you already have.
0: Yeah. I love, I always tell my clients, you are your superpower. Like, I think there's a lot of fear around owning your expertise. Like let's say in an Instagram post, because it feels like everyone's talking about the same thing and they are so don't talk about the same thing give your story that makes it unique to you like when i'm talking about mindset stuff in my community it's always always surrounded by a story of something i'm going through or something i experienced because that gives it a different spin a different lens and then i'm owning it because it's my life no one else can tell that story so um i love that point because it's such a powerful Uh, such a powerful reminder that when we really step, like allow ourselves to step into who we are, like that's when we're going to flourish. Yes. So like do
1: it. (laughs) And it's also the, if we don't believe in our value, no one else will. And so I see people that like have, you know, great products or offerings, but they're not showing up with certainty. And and let's face it, right. We're in a loud, overwhelming, distracted world where everyone is looking for certainty. And if you want to cut out the noise of like all of the other people that look like they're in your space, you have to have certainty on your value of what you have to offer. Because if you don't believe it, they will not either. And and there's something that I call it unique expert experience. I know there's lots of different names, but it's this idea that, you know, you are not just what you've done professionally or your pedigree or your achievement, you know, your unique experience as an expert. And this is where I get people saying like, well, when am I an expert? And I, and I remember asking asking someone this, like at 21, I, in my previous life, I did a little modeling and I remember Mm -hmm. the difference between like, what is an amateur versus a professional? And I asked this photographer, I was like, I don't know when I become like, when do you graduate to being a professional? He goes, you're getting paid right now to do what you're doing. So you're professional right now. There's, there's different levels of professionalism, but this idea of expertise of being a unique expert, it's to me, it's based on your experience, your education your background, your passions, and your interests right? The mix of these means that no one has the exact expertise you do. So, you know, we're talking about, yes, everyone can be talking about the same thing, but the way that you tell stories around it of your personal experience, the way that you story sell, what that means is that you are speaking to your truth and the people that are going to show up that are interested and attracted in it, it's because they see something of themselves in your truth. Right. Exactly. So that's why you have to like niche and hone down into yourself and what you don't need to do that to, to niche down into this, this ex- exact expertise no one else has. You don't need decades of experience. You don't need like another certification or degree. You know, what you need to have is a belief in yourself and understanding of your unique processes and your unique results and permission to promote yourself.
0: Yeah, totally. And, um, I like, What I'm thinking as you're saying all that, as well, is get rid of this hierarchy of expertise in your mind. Like, yes, this person has 30,000 followers. You have no idea how much money she's making or how successful she is. That does not mean she's more of an expert than you. It just means that she has more followers and more social media engagement. Like, we are all like, I constantly remind myself own your piece of the pie. Like, there is enough pie for it to go around in this whole world own your piece own your corner and maybe some people's corners like my corner is never going to be as big as Tony Robbins or Bre- maybe as big as Bernie Brown's I don't know let's just dream here but he's on my list too yeah that um but the point being like it doesn't have to be a hierarchy there doesn't have to be comparison there like by just owning what you have to offer and also dropping this idea like we also live in this world where like
1: numbers are a big thing. It's like whatever happened to like the power of impacting one person's life. Oh, it's so funny. I'm, I'm literally right now this week doing a masterclass and it's called five days to five figure months. And, you know, showing a blueprint, but I literally say day one, I go, this is actually not about the income okay? right. because income is, is just a strategy. It's a blueprint. You can have all the strategy in the world. But if you aren't clear on, I mean, I I start with permission to promote and you aren't clear on your niche and you aren't clear on your unique expertise and you are like, you don't feel confidence on all these things. You can have all the strategy in the world and you'll never go out and implement it. So this is about becoming who you are meant to be, developing the business that supports your personal vision of success in life and happiness or whatever that looks like, right? Like like you podcast one or two days a month. Mm -hmm. You have clients, you see certain days, like your vision of what success looks like in your life and your calendar is completely different than someone else's. And so anyone that is striving to have what you have, they may not be willing to do what you do to get there.
0: Right. Yep. I love that. I define your success. I think that's one of the most important takeaways for any entrepreneur. I, I struggled with that. So, so much comparison when I first started my business and it's like, I don't even want what they have. So why am I comparing myself to them? Like, let me decide what success looks like for me. And I'll tell you right now, guys, I'm a hell of a lot happier than I was three years ago because I'm super clear on what success looks like for me right now. And I'm moving directly toward that and living it every day. Um, And you can too, like it just decide what you want and then start moving toward it. And this permission to promote and own your expertise, that's just one piece of it. But, you know, the overarching theme is, you know, decide who what's the
1: song? Decide who you want to be and go be it or something. <laughs> and I'd love to one example of this. So I have, um, you know, two, two past clients. Well, one is still a current client. We've been working together for years, but on paper, if you didn't dive in deep, they would look identical. They're both nutritionists. They both have um, a background in, in, you know, personal training mm-hmm. and they both work with hormones. So you'd look at and be like, okay, they're a hormone expert, nutritionist, you know, movements important. And if you looked at that, you would completely miss like the truth of what they do. Mm -hmm. And so I'll I'll give you the example. So Jen, um, who's in her late twenties, you know, certified personal trainer, undergrad in science, but her story. So this is where her, her background her expertise, her story is she grew up with parents that were, were quite ill. And so she, you know, they were sick all the time. And so for her being strong and healthy was really important. So that's why she, I mean, she was one of those rare people that go and like get a, a background in science and nutrition in college. Like that's what she studied. But she also, and of course, you know, personal training. And that was not her, that was not her zone of genius. It was her zone of excellence. But she gave herself permission at the beginning of the pandemic when her gym shut down and she was tired of working with male clients. And we sat there and I said, well, what really, like, what actually creates results that your clients want, right? Which is more energy, you know, more fit, et cetera. She's like, well, metabolism. I go, are you excited about metabolism? She said, no. I go, well, what else? She said, well, hormones. And I go, okay, well, how do you feel about hormones? She goes, well, actually, it's something I'm really fascinated by. Like I got on birth control at 14 and it just wrecked my hormones. And I had to like do all this learning and, you know, 10 years later and like, and she was so excited. And now her her business is called The Fit Period. She specifically works with women around planning their food, their movement, and even their life, their business, like their self-care around their cycle and helps to balance their hormones. And she's doing forty dollars to $50,000 a month in her business in the online space. That is 10X what she was making last year, but it was only because she owned her unique experience. Mm-hmm. She dove into her passion. She niched herself as well as who she was working with. Now, the other example, um, Ellen, She same background. She's a doula. She's someone that has um, dealt with miscarriage. And so she helps women who are trying to get pregnant, balance their hormones for easier pregnancy, for fertility. Mm -hmm. So who she works with and what she does with them is completely different. But if you read it at face value, hormone expert, nutrition expert, it looks identical. You dive into that expert experience, but people won't know that unless, and both of these women do it, unless you story tell and story sell, unless you share what excites you, what you've done and what you've learned. And it starts with your personal journey. So you cannot have a successful business without sharing who you are and how you got there.
0: Yep, absolutely. And and one thing I want to go back to that I was going to say before, but then we got off on a tangent was you said the first time you did that Facebook or the video you posted on Facebook, it felt foreign to you and you were sort of like freaked out by it. And so I want to remind everyone who's listening. Yeah, it's going to feel weird at first. Yeah, it's going to be hard to share your stories. It, yes, it's going to be hard to get personal and really use that as a tool for owning what you know. But it gets easier. Like anything we do, like any muscle that we consistently flex, you're going to get stronger at it and better at it. So, know that it's going to be uncomfortable and know that like that's your sign that you're doing something right.
1: Yes. You you there's a difference between, you know, the discomfort that comes from us expanding our our Comfort zone, right? Because outside of our comfort zone is our growth zone, mm-hmm. and then doing something that's misaligned or unethical or outside right. of our values, right? And so often, like you said, it's something that we haven't done before, and what we start to realize is we have that moment of discomfort. I mean, what like in that Matt Damon movie? They say like if you fifteen seconds of insane courage, right? Mm-hmm. So that courage to like post your story or share it or go live or whatever that is, you know, or pitch yourself when you realize that that's not going to kill you.
0: <laughs> she's about to maybe sneeze. Yeah. Ooh, uh, I just need <laughs> to
1: I just mute it. Um, when you realize that's not going to kill you and you get on the other side and what usually happens is when we show up and we do the thing, either nothing happens. We're like, okay, that wasn't bad to try this again. Or everything happens, right? Mm-hmm. Women's health publishes us. We get the client. Mm-hmm. Somebody reaches out and says, I resonate so much with that. Thank you for sharing. And so when that happens and we get that yes, it's validation, it's external validation, but what it does is it helps us with our intrinsic validation. Mm-hmm. Then we start to build that muscle. And I love to save those, you know, those whether it's a screen capture of a DM or a, a message or an email, or it's my clients getting results because I shared something and then they went and did the same and they got results from it. I share those. So in those moments when I'm feeling that that discomfort of growth about doing something that's bigger than what I've done before, I go back and look and I go, What would have happened had I not done this in the past? Right. How am I meant to grow bigger and impact more by getting a little bit uncomfortable? Mm
0: -hmm. And you start
1: to realize that that discomfort, what's on the other side. And now I'm like i slightly addicted to that feeling because I love growth now. Yeah, I love it.
0: Oh my gosh. So many good things in here. I feel like readers must have a notebook filled with notes right now because I feel like there's just so much great stuff. As, as we wrap up this conversation, um, what would be one really the most important gem you would want people to take away from everything that you've shared today, all the strategies and the ideas? What do you think is the most important thing for them to walk away with?
1: Do not sit in overwhelm and in procrastination. You cannot figure yourself out of your situation with the same brain that put you there. Mm -hmm. So the only way is to get into imperfect, messy action. There's Mm -hmm. no such thing as failure. It's only feedback. So by getting into action, what's going to happen is you're going to get clarity. It could be like, oh, I love this thing that I'm moving towards, or I don't. So I'm going to course correct. And so when you get into action and it creates clarity, you're going to develop confidence. So I always say, I love giving people a master's in belief in action, but you have to have the action first. So I would say, take one thing. Don't, you know, if you've got a whole page, that's great. Don't allow it to be shelf help that goes in, you know, stays in your journal and right. you find it five years from now. Take one thing that I talked about today and implement it immediately into your business and grow. Yeah, I love it. And then take the next step and
0: the next step. It's just that first step. It's like going to the gym when you really don't want to. Once you get there. You're totally stoked on it, but sometimes it takes getting there to get you to that
1: place. <laughs> and I'd say profess to people around you that are supportive, maybe that have an idea. Like if, if you don't have those in your life, you know, find them in a community, but let people know what you're going to do when you're in your moment of courage so that you have that accountability. Yes. And because often we'll show up more for others than we will for ourselves. So if we profess it, then we are not going to let down the people we profess professed our goals to. Yeah, totally. I love that point.
0: Well, this has been amazing. Before we completely sign off, I want to switch gears as we do at the end of every episode. And I want to ask you what you're getting intentional about right now.
1: Ooh, that is is such a great question because my word for 2021 is intentional. Mm. Yes. What I'm getting intentional about right now is... What I'm getting intentional about right now... Mm -hmm. Is back to the basics. Hmm. I think we often get really distracted by bright, shiny objects. Yeah. And we don't realize that often the things that have given us success, sometimes we stop doing them because they feel like old hat to us. So for me, actually, that's it's it's getting on podcast again. Um, it's it's you know, speaking engagements, like the areas that are my zone of genius that light me up, that get me excited because that energy goes into everything that I do. And then I think the other thing, and and you are, I know you're an expert of this, your listeners are used to this, um, is really being intentional about my time Mm. and really honoring that because there's a difference between like, yes, I set up Mondays as my CEO days and Fridays as my creativity days, but it's actually honoring that time and creating those healthy boundaries. Because when we allow ourselves the space to dive into our genius and, and really give ourselves space to work on our business or on ourselves instead of just in the busyness, that is really when growth and quantum leaps happen.
0: Yep. Couldn't possibly agree more. It's often in those quiet spaces and in the time when we're away from our computer where the best, most powerful, innovative ideas come. At least I know for me, that's the case. Okay. So awesome. I love that. Where can listeners uh, connect with you outside of the
1: podcast? Yeah. So they can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook at Rebecca Caffiero. That's C-A-F as in Frank, I-E-R-O on iTunes at my podcast, Becoming You and on Facebook in my Goal Getters group.
0: Awesome. Thank you again so much for being here. This has been so great. I loved every second of it. And honestly, I feel like I stopped the conversation. I feel like we probably could have kept going for another 20 minutes. So maybe we'll have to have like a part two
1: and dive into some more stuff uh, at another time. I would love, I would love that, especially one about healthy boundaries. I think we could have a conversation. It could go on both of our podcasts.
0: Yes. Let's uh, we'll reconnect on that. So um, thank you again so much, Rebecca. And thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you on another episode of mindset reset radio.